And welcome back to another episode of the MDCP podcast. And yes, I had to think about that. But mm-hmm. here we are, joined by every time, Sam, I feel pressure now with you and Tony. I'm like, I don't don't get it wrong. Um, joined by happen. Sam and Ash. And that's okay. <laughs> Look, it will happen. Um, yep. Luckily, I'm uh, in charge of the... Uh, editing so that's cool nothing bad can ever happen to me anyway <laughs> you guys you're on your own but hey absolutely so loving these podcasts each week and this week i think we're going to get into something that's going to give our audience who we've been getting great feedback on the show so if you do like the show please subscribe give us a review share it with a coach who thinks you might need it but Something I thought would be interesting to um, talk through today is, you know, as a coach, and we've seen this happen with some high-profile coaches from Mm. time to time when it becomes more about them than what they're coaching or, you know, the reason, the why, I guess. It becomes more about them becoming a personality. They become bigger than the, than the, the desire to serve, I guess. And that can be a tricky place to be and, you know, coaches can get tripped up with that. And um, I thought this would be a good one for you guys particularly to, not that you're bigger than bigger than us on this show, but uh, that's that was awkward for a minute there. But something that we can talk through is how to avoid those, uh, those pitfalls. And, you know, it applies for us. I mean, the, you know, if we're going to be completely transparent here, MDCP, mm-hmm. um, program is not about um us three um amazing human beings it's about humble. the value amazing and yeah, humble. very very modest but it's about <laughs> <laughs> we 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 create these episodes to to give people things to think about mm. and to you know think about their potential as a coach so that it's not just limited but we don't want it to be about us so mm. and just talking in theoretical so let's get into some tin tacks today yeah, and with that said, Lisa, like if anybody watching this has a topic they would like to hear discussed or has a question they want to hear us broach, like throw it in the comments, please, because like that's the whole point of this is for us to have conversation and maybe somewhere along the lines you get an aha moment that could help you out. Yep. Great idea. Well said. All right. So who wants to, to take the ball and take it downfield on this one? See, it's like I know about American football, but I'm just. Talk about rugby and you'll get close enough. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ash, you want to take a swing? Because I, I have a story about how bad a coach I am, and that'll that'll be a great way to kick it off. Uh, if you have a story off the top of your head, go for it. I, don't, I, don't, I do. I'll just ramble, so go. <laughs> well, I'm. Uh, there's nothing that says I'm not going to just ramble. So <laughs> when I, um, so talking about like, making it about us, right? And uh, I remember vividly, and I've talked about this experience before, was coming back from my Bergner Bergner weightlifting seminar. And my brain is full of all of the amazing, and anyone who's taken a Bergner, you you spend the first seven hours of the eight hour day on Saturday doing nothing but holding a PVC pipe. And so by the time you actually pick up you know, a 15 pound barbell, it's the heaviest thing in the world. And you leave that seminar and you've had the snatch and the clean and jerk digested or pardon me, um, dissected to such a point that you, it's like, you get it. You finally understand that thing that happens when you black out somewhere between triple extension and then bar overhead in the snatch. Um, and you, you come back and you're like, I'm gonna make everybody like Olympic weightlifters. They're all going to get gold medals. And my boss, Spencer Hendel, who (laughs) was younger than me, but way smarter when it comes to this stuff said, stop, don't do that. Like they don't, (laughs) they don't care. Right. Mm. And I dodged a bullet that time. Yeah. I did not dodge bullets other times. Um, the bullet I dodged was, he's like, don't worry about the snatch. Just keep it to jump and land. 
jump and punch, mm. keep it simple because you're going to get 90% of the people, 90% of the way to what you need them to do with those two cues. I have made the mistake of learning something and really digging in and understanding something and then making the application or instruction of that knowledge about how good a coach I am. Mm. And no one is served by that. And mm. it's, you know, and if you want to, <clears throat> if you haven't experienced this little gold nugget, um, when someone who is your boss and dear friend comes to you and says, yeah, we can kind of tell when you coach that you're making it about you. Like that's a kick to the nether regions and, and it doesn't yeah. feel good, but she wasn't wrong. Like, mm. and I had to step back and it's, it's taken years now for me to get to the point where I understand that. Yes, I believe CrossFit and its purest application is maybe the best thing to ever happen to fitness. Mm. But very few people want that, even if they should. And even if given time and opportunity, I could convince them, the attempt of me to convince them would probably turn them off to me. And if in attempting to convince them, because I'm right, I know, you know, I have the secret sauce. I, I like, I, I, I can do this. You know, if I try to make it about me and they don't want to work with me because I'm making it about me, mm. I lose the opportunity to actually help, which I don't know why anyone else is doing this, but I, I, I promised myself when I got into coaching that I was going to do it so that I could live a life of service. And every time mm. I do something for myself, I step away from that. And that, that, that is a powerful lesson. I remember when I was uh, taking, you know, people through my internal coach development program, it was one of the first things I said to them, coaching is about service. And if I'm the best coach in this facility, mm -hmm. then I am not doing my job properly Yeah, because I'm just keeping you to my limits when your limits are, you know, different or you have unlimited potential mm -hmm. like if and there's that original thing that I don't, and I don't know who said it first but it was told to me many many years ago is that you know again if you're the head coach or the owner of facility and you are the best athlete in that facility yep. asterisk excluding retraining then <laughs> you're you know you're not doing the right thing by your athletes because you're just limiting to them to your potential so that you are the best, which is driven by ego. Yeah. And the first rule of CrossFit is what do we do? Leave your ego at the door. Mm -hmm. Because when we make it about us, we can um, lose those messages and that potential, like you said, Sam, that potential to save lives and yeah. change lives, which is what it's about, not about the third pull transition to the overhead position in the snatch. That's, what, what does that allow us to do in life? If they mm -hmm. get that, that's great. Mm -hmm. But it's not about that. No. And we did an episode not long ago talking about stop selling your wads. And so I guess this is a good follow-on from that is like taking mm -hmm. ourselves out of the equation. What are your thoughts, Ash? Yeah, I was just going to add on to that. You know, it's not to say that you may – in your class while teaching the snatch have an athlete who is really hardcore into Olympic lifting and has been working their drop snatches and, and all those little skill drills and wants to hear what you have to say. But like, you can save that for when you go around and are individually giving feedback, right? Like make mm. the mass, your, your mass instruction for the masses. Right, make mm. sure a five-year-old could get it, and a fifty-five-year-old professional Olympic lifter who's been doing it since he was five can get that, and then weave those nuggets in between mm. to serve the people. Yeah, yeah. I, I think of there's a guy. Shout out to Doug Perzo in, uh, in 
in Medfield, Massachusetts. I will never forget the time we were doing a, um, a three position clean. Right. And so I don't know how anyone else teaches the three position clean, but my three position clean is just off the ground, mid shin, right to the knee or just above the knee and then to the high hang position, which is vertical torso, right? Upright and essentially just a dip, right? And Doug was like, wait, 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 wait. What? What is this dip thing? And and I'm like, okay, so this is really nuancy, but like, you know, it's this, you know, it's this last little bit. And, you know, like I don't really have the time to go into it. And he's like, it's the last class of the evening. These these people are all like-minded. And he looks around, and he's like, can we go into it really quick? And like the little, the coach inside of my heart goes, he's so excited. It's like, yes, yes, we can. You know, um, those opportunities are few and far between. And, and it's probably a good thing that they're few and far between because on the daily, you know, jump, Mm. jump harder. Right. Do you bend your knees when you jump? Uh-huh. Cool. Do that. Go. <laughs> so, <laughs> there are just so solved everybody's do, triple extension issues. Yeah. That you and thank you for coming for, to Sam's TED talk on Olympic lifting today. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> so you knew you'd get a chance to use it, Sam. Every once in a while. So Ooh, wait a second. <clears throat> Question though. See. Sam. When you're when Spencer came to you and said you're making it about you, yeah, did you go? Actually, oh, it wasn't yeah. Spencer, but okay, whoever whoever yeah. came to you and said that, were you like, oh yeah, I am, or were you like, were you shocked? Were you like, oh shit, am I? And then had to reflect on that and see how. I was wildly combative, like hmm. not not uh, f- outwardly. Um, I was emotionally internally combative i was offended <laughs> and right. and i felt jilted like they didn't appreciate how how good they had it <laughs> and <laughs> um, i can so see that in you sam i'm like sorry you, but i can't but that's a human reaction because mm. you weren't trying to make it about you that's the point i'm trying to make right like mm. You weren't going into that class going like, I'm going to show them what I know. You were going to that class thinking, I'm going to help them solve all their snatch problems, right? Actually, I actually think you were right the first way around is I think I actually did go about it thinking, I'm going to show them how much I know. And then the, the back half of that sentence was, and they'll be so fucking inspired that they just follow along like good little lemmings. Mm. And- that's not inspiring. And and that is kind of the peril of the new coach. You know, we've all we've all been there the first class we've coached out of our level one and it's you. You know, I remember I think when I did my first level one, I for the next three weeks I proceeded to vomit squat technique over everybody like my boot camp participants when I was actually oh, in God. the box. Like all the things like Everyone, like I, when my Facebook memories come up, there's just these, and I was like, oh, you idiot. But it's just like, oh, my God, I've just learned something amazing. And you're right, it's not intentionally doing it to make yourself the centre, but it's also a way of validating. So if Mm. I'm a new coach and I've just learnt this skill or I have athletes in the class who are better than me, it's like, well, I need them to know that I know more than them or I am deserving of this position. So it is the the curse of the novice coach. Yes. And it but looking back, it was absolutely a self-validation, like seeking external mm. validation technique for me. Mm. But it is also the curse of the experienced coach, which is where it can lead into to problems mm. for mm. a like imagine Sam now, you know. You've been coaching for you know many years now, not to mm-hmm. age you or date you, but um, it's okay. I'm almost forty. If, Let's just say it. Hey, I'm forty nine, nearly. So you know, I never would have guessed that. that. Really? <laughs> That's it. I hope yeah. that was a good compliment there. That was a. I mean, yeah. it depends on which way you want me to be on that yeah. side of the equation. Yeah, but no, like, I, no, I want you to be on the low that. side. That's great. 
Yeah, yeah I definitely was so, thinking lower than that. I'm I'm as immature as the next person. It's fine. Um, that but, must be it. <laughs> yeah, that's why we all get along well. Um, <laughs> but if someone had given you that feedback now, so you've mm. gone in to coach some classes and, yeah. you know, or, you know, we got the feedback on this project, but if someone gave you that feedback now, how do you think you would feel about it now if you're more mindful of, of not going down that path? But if someone still said that, yeah, it's really the Sam show. Um, I am a person who believes that I'm always in danger of falling back words, right? Mm. To, to yeah. use a, a biblical phrase, backsliding, right? Mm. Um, I am always in danger of that because I'm always in danger of letting my ego run the show. I mean, I don't know about anybody mm -hmm. else, but I have a really loud ego and I, I do my best work when I do whatever I can to cut my ego off at the knees, essentially full time. Mm. If somebody came back to me now, um, probably the way that I would go about it is one, I would assume I would not assume negative intent. This person's not out to get me, right? Mm. And so <clears throat> I know more so now that things like this are an opportunity for me to get better. It's taken me years from that particular instance to now to mm. grow enough to recognize it as an opportunity, even though I knew that mm. I knew that like um, constructive criticism was opportunities that I didn't view as constructive criticism at the time. I viewed it as mm. just criticism and mm. I didn't, I wasn't mature enough personally or professionally to interpret it the correct way and, pro and process it. Now it would still be a struggle. I would mm. just struggle a little less and hopefully not let my ego run the show internally quite as long. Mm. Mm. Um, I, I cannot imagine that the exception would be, <laughs> I'd like to believe the exception would be if I got accepted to seminar staff, because from what I've been told, the, you get, you get on staff and you, you go do a, a gig and they come back and they give you feedback. And the only acceptable response early on is thank you for the feedback. <laughs> so, yeah. and the rest, and the rest is just going to be better. Needed. Yeah, exactly. Mm. And, but even then, like, I, mm. I'm in, especially when I try really hard, I'm very invested. And so I, I find it hard to believe that part of me wouldn't take it personally. The mm. only question would be how long. That's an egotistical thought for me to have. How long do I let that run the show? Mm. And the quicker I can move past it and be like, this person didn't call you a fucking idiot. They said you could, you know, use more visual or verbal cues when you taught the push press. They're not trying mm. to break me down. They're actually trying to help me be better, you know? Mm. And the sooner I can remember that and get back to that and like actually do the thing they're telling me to do, the better my life is going to be, the better right. the client's lives are going to be. Everybody wins, but all of that starts with me being like, it's mm. not about me. Yep. So let's take this from a, like, a um, Sam therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sam's, Sam's on the mat today. It's like Ash I and I had a meeting before and we thought today, Sam's day. No. Hey man, um, cool. <laughs> we do love you, Sam. But. You know, if someone's listening to this and some of this stuff like resonates and they think, oh, you know, maybe do I, do I think I'm coaching from a position of service or, you know, is it all about me? How do we start mm. to identify that? And then if we do, because awareness is the first step to solving any problem, you oh, know, yeah. awareness that there is a problem and then being yes. prepared to own it is like you've done some reflection, you've, you've rewatched your coaching, you've even reflected on how do I feel going into a class and what are my thought processes as I'm preparing mm -hmm. for a class? And you're aware that sometimes that you do make it, that it's not about the end result for the people or, or the whys. It's, you've, mm -hmm. it's about you and the what's. 
Mm-hmm. How do I take steps to um, reconcile that and then ad- and ad- adjust that? Ash. Ash. <laughs> You've got the ball now. It's hot potato. As a the therapist. <laughs> um, well, I think in, you know, just going back to Sam's example, the, the first question to ask yourself is, do they need this and will they benefit from this? Mm. Um, and, you know, if the answer is no to either of those things, then you have your, <laughs> your answer right there on how to shift your perspective, then give them something they need, give mm-hmm. them something they will all benefit from. Mm. In um, a way that's not centered around you. Right. You took yeah. the words out of my mouth. <laughs> Great minds, my friend. Great minds. Well, and and the only the only thing I was is like, do they need this, or do I think they need this? Mm. You know, and there's sometimes those things are aligned, and sometimes they are not. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. We kind of touched on that earlier on a call of you know, sometimes right. we can all see and know what people need but if they don't want it Mm. it, it's and it's a moot point you know it's like i mean sam you can speak to this better than i could but somebody who has an addiction Mm. are they gonna we can see it and tell them what they need till we're blue in the face and that they have a problem but until they acknowledge they have a problem and want to do something about it it doesn't matter I mean, you know, that's, I mean, that's, that's extreme for a CrossFit class to an addiction, but, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like, if you want to try and simplify it as much as you can, mm-hmm. like, do they need this or do you want them to need this? Yeah. <laughs> do they, right? Like, yeah. So what a, what a way to put mm-hmm. that too, because that's really what it is. It's like, I want you to need this so that I can solve your problem. And so that I can, I can put myself on a, on a podium or at the top of this heap. And I can, you know, like, I want you to need what I have. That's, it's talking about, that's like a, that's like abusive relationship one-on-one codependency. Like, yeah, right. I, I want you to need what I provide and I'm going to, you know, if you're a really self-destructive coach, you're going to seek out positions where that is the case. You know, you're going to seek out mm. relationships in the gym or interrelationships with your clients where that is the case. Whereas service is assessing, absent mm. of ego, what is needed. And yeah. yeah, and like even, and I, and I hate doing this because I'll be a hundred percent plain about this. Um, I don't think you should hire a coach if you're going to tell that coach what you want. Right. Mm. In the sense that um, you don't go to the dentist and say, hey, doc, here's what I want you to do. You say, please help me. And and they do that thing. Right. And they tell you what's mm. going on. And and so I, I'm not a big fan of asking clients like in a group class what they want. Mm. Um, I believe it is my job. As a coach to observe and to understand and to comprehend the athletes, every one of them individually and then collectively, such that I can provide something that they need. And they might not know that they need it, um, but I can see them struggling with something, right? And I can provide a piece of education, hopefully, that is entertaining and inspiring And that gets them to a place of greater capacity or greater flexibility or greater strength, whatever it ends up being, rather than um, what it comes down to for me is wanting the recognition that I'm the smart one in the room. Mm. Yeah. And we talk about in the 
you know, six-figure coach seminar and and a three-hour, you know, million-dollar coach online program, we talk about, you know, creating your personal brand and, and positioning. And sometimes what's hap- what, hap- what can happen is, you know, for example, um, you know, coach Sam, let's run with our theme, becomes, you know, seminar staff member or, you know, something. And then you go, suddenly it becomes not about this is a XYZ seminar, this is Sam's seminar. And then people start to see it as Sam's seminar. So it takes away from the messages completely that you're trying to give through that product or that what. Yeah. And it's just become about, well, I'm just going to learn from Sam. And at that point you could tell them anything and they're happy with that because they've come to learn from you. But that causes us, and we know that we would learn a lot from you, Sam, (laughs) but it does cause us to then miss critical opportunities by make, putting ourselves above or making it about us, mm-hmm. you know, what they ultimately can get out of that. So, for example, if someone went to a gymnastic seminar, like you you guys have both attended that as well, that it's not really about the how you hold the bar and your, and your shapes and your positions. That's, you know, that's just a tool that they used to talk about, you know, things in life and, you know, how you can impact your, your life. The same as, you know, the the burger to weightlifting. It's very much about, you know, lessons in discipline and structure and following a process rather than it's about the clean and jerk and the snatch. It's what you learn along the way. But if it were be, to become Sam's course, all those, you know, golden nuggets are lost and it just becomes limited to buy you and your ego and what you're prepared to part with because if it becomes your course, then we're not going to give away everything because we don't want to give away all the secrets. Yeah. We don't we don't want to then go, well, someone else might learn this and do this better now. So I'll just hold back a bit because I'm the expert here. Mm-hmm. And that's not a healthy way for you as a coach to let you be your best self as a coach. It's not what we aspire to see coaches through our work with MDCP. You know, like I said, it's not about us um, and what we bring to the table, but it's, what you can think about and the tools and tips and strategies to help you want to go out and be your best coach and go, yeah, I can make a full-time living out of this, but how do I need to do that? Mm-hmm. And what do I need to, you know, and this is a pitfalls discussion, like, you know, on other calls we've talked about ways that you would generate revenue, but this is like, here's a pothole that's in the middle of the road. Like mm-hmm. you can easily get some momentum and, fall down in that and not know how to get out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and sometimes these courses, I don't know if I might be going off track here, but like I, you talked about this like specialty courses and sometimes these courses, you know, we learn from them and there's something very specific that we take to because we hadn't thought about it that way or whatever the case may be. And so that's the thing we kind of cling to and then try to transfer to others. But somebody that we're trying to transfer to might not be understanding them, so it's not serving them. And where I'm going with that is like, so I remember so clearly at the Bergener course for me, you know, everybody was setting up their bars and we just did the setup. And you know, for a lot of people, it was pull the bar closer, pull the bar closer with me. He was like, Ashley, I want you to push the bar about three inches away from your shins. What? (laughs) Right. But like, so are we doing two different things? Yes, but no, we're not. That's what I needed. Mm. That's not what everyone else needed. So the, the point of that is if you get so blinded by what you know and thinking it is the right way only and the wrong way only, then you Mm. may be missing opportunities to help somebody. Mm. No, and that's, that's definitely not off track at all, Ash. That's a a great example about, you know, if it just becomes about what you know and what you think is the right way, then you will miss those opportunities and, and your lifting position would have been made a whole lot worse had they just stuck to the, okay, here's the formula today. It's like 
nine out of 10 people need to pull the bar closer. So everyone's going to do that. Well, suddenly you're lifting, you come away from that course is like, Mm. all I did was a heap of burpees that weekend and didn't get much else out of it. Basically I learned how to sit back better and use my legs more, which was Mm. the, if anybody's going, I wonder why they like, that was my problem is I was too high Mm. and over the bar, but like Mm. just saying that, most of us keep the bar close because we want to keep the bar close the whole time and the Olympic mm. lift. But, but if somebody's struggling with their lift off and they're too far over the bar and you saying like sit back and your heels more isn't working or reach your butt to the back wall isn't working and all these mm. things, maybe pushing the bar away from that person, though it seems counterintuitive is what's going to help. Mm. Now, again, you know, we're, we were discussing earlier, Sam's example of helping an entire class. Would you want to tell a whole class to do that? No, probably not. But the, the point of this is don't be closed minded because of what, you know, mm. because if you are, you can't serve. Mm. Oh, and this example is, is actually ideal. If we want to talk about providing value to anyone who might be listening, what you experienced is what a high level coach should be doing. You have your cues that are going to work for 90% of the class, right? And then I have Ash. Ash's hips are too high. She's too far over the bar. Okay. Well, there's a lot of ways I can solve that problem. Ash, drop your hips, right? If that's not working for her, then I can try something like, Ash, I want you to hold the bar a little bit further away from yourself. You're going to have to do some kind of cantilever action in order to get the body to accommodate that movement. Mm. Is it a bad cue if it solves the problem? The answer is no. We, if you've taken your level two and maybe even, I think it's in level one, I'm not even sure, mm. is the best cue is the one that works. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Now, here's the issue with that. And here's where we start talking about the application of high level coaching is you've got to have enough of that knowledge sitting in your brain and be willing to access it on demand based on your live real-time assessment of the athlete individually in a group of people. If you think that's an easy thing to do, you are either very well-trained or you have no idea what you're doing. And mm. let me ex- let me explain. So let's hypothetical example. We're going to invent a class here, right? So we're going to do the snatch. Let's We're going to do Amanda. Okay. So Amanda, 975, squat snatches and ring muscle-ups, right? 135.95, I believe is the loading for Amanda. And uh, before that, we're going to build to a heavy double, right? So as part of the warm-up for Amanda, we're going to build to a heavy double squat snatch. So you'll have five lifts. You're not going to do anything crazy. You get a little bit of time to do that. So you've got two in teaching the snatch, one, know the progression for the snatch, which we gloss over the fact that it's literally the most complicated weightlifting movement that we do, right? Hmm. So there's that. You've got to know it. You've got to have a plan for it, how you're going to execute on it and how that execution of that teaching is going to dovetail into your loading, which is your five by two, right? And then how that is going to prep them for the actual workout. This is assuming you've already smashed the instruction on the ring muscle up. We're not even going to touch that portion. We're going to leave that over here, right? Where most people want to leave their gymnastics instruction. It's over here in the dark. So we get through that whole bit. You come to your snatch. You've got to know what you're doing. You've got to know the points of performance. You have to have a progression, two separate concepts. Then you've got to lay people out in the room in a manner that allows you to actually fucking see them. And then you've got to put yourself in the room, in a place that allows you to put your eyeballs on the people while they're doing the things. And then your progression is not just going to be something like, all right, give me five snatch deadlifts. Ready, go. Cool. This time we're going to do a deadlift and a shrug. Give me five of those. Ready, go. Right. There's no teaching there. Mm. Cool. Everybody show me your bottom position, right? Snatch grip on the bar. I want the bar to sit in the mid shins. Nice big arch in the back, right? And like shoulders over hips, hips over knees and set up. Hold that position. Fix, fix, Mm. fix, 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 fix. Cool. Deadlift to the knee. Pause. Fix, 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 fix. Ash hips a little bit higher. Hips higher, higher, higher. Right there. Feel that? Good. Feels like a hamstrings are on fire. Good. That's what we want. Back down, mid shin. That's one rep. 
how much work has been done in that one rep. Mm. Repeat that for several reps for each portion of your progression, making people better. A tremendous amount of value has just been offered to people. Now, there's two things there. One is if I have a progression and if I move through that progression, i.e. holding people in static positions, calling dynamic reps, holding people in static positions, reset, right? And I'm, because I control the tempo of the reps, I can hold static position, check a bunch of different people. Ready? Look at one person, lift. Cool. Keep the bar a little bit closer next time. Reset back down. Double check, make sure the athlete does what you need them to do and lift better, you know? And if it's not better, don't say good or better, right? Yeah. Say, give them a different cue or, you know, well, we're not quite there yet. We'll keep working. And you can see how much effort is going into like two reps and one human being, right? Yeah. And now extrapolate out being able to provide that much value to 15 people in a class, you know, rep by rep by rep by rep. And so everyone is getting the thing that they need. That's value. And if what I just described to you sounds foreign, like you've never experienced that kind of thing, I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry because and I'm not saying that you would get this with me, but every single time I have been on the receiving end of transformational coaching, coaching that is fun and engaging and changes how I do a thing. It makes me better. And I have a phenomenal fucking workout. It looks like that. It never looks like strength in a Metcon and never mm. has. And I think, you know, to, to touch on, you know, transformational coaching and that, that um, value proposition, I guess, is, is taking it, being able to take it to that next level is like, Ash, you know, why are you not getting your hips down when I'm telling you to get your hips down mm. and you're resisting me? Is it, and instead of thinking, well, like my way is the right way. So there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm. You have the problem here. Why mm -hmm. are you not listening to me? Why are you not doing it? Why do you not want it? Ash is just difficult to coach. She doesn't do any of my cues. Instead of, <laughs> right? Oh. I just thought I'd give Sam a break for a bit. But, you know, <clears throat> Ash is difficult. She doesn't She doesn't listen to me. I hate it when she's in my classes. She's just, she doesn't do anything I wanted to do. But by having that conversation with you about going, okay, well, Ash isn't getting that. Let's see if. She's not getting it or she's resistant to it. Ash, push the bar away from you three inches, butt drops down. Okay. Ash just is picking this up. So, hey, Ash, like what did you struggle with in our, you know, when I was telling you get your hips down, you seemed to struggle with that concept. Like what was hard about that for you? Because we know you can get in the position when you push the barbell away. Like help me coach you better and help me understand, like what was difficult for you in that? Well. You know, I don't have good, you know, body awareness. Like I don't know where my ass is in relation to my elbow most of the time. Like you sit <laughs> me, I trip over my own feet walking down the gym floor. Like, okay, cool. So I know now when I coach Ash, I need to use, you know, descriptive terms rather than just the standard terms. But it's also finding out. And if you do find an athlete that's like, well, they can do it. They can get in position like, but why do they just nod and stare at me blankly when I'm talking to them? Like why, you know, you tell me that this is how far you can squat, but tell me why, like what's difficult about it. You get very defensive, like what's challenging for you about this rather than just going, oh, Ash never listens to me. Like <laughs> that's the next level on that coaching conversation where we take it more away from, you know, the movement to mm -hmm. the behaviour. Mm-hmm. You know, and that in itself is, again, taking you and your ego out of the equation because it's not like, well, I've got the answers here. I'm the coach. Why is she not doing what I want to do? It must be her problem. Well, no, there's a problem in how my message is being received, so I need to change the message or find out what the blockage is because mm -hmm. I'm the one in control of the situation. Um, and if you... And if you're wondering what this might look like in practice, if you ever as a coach say to yourself, oh, that's just the way they move, <clears throat> mm -hmm. no, 
Yeah. Almost never. Every once in a while, someone has like a bony block in their ankle and they yeah. physically cannot dorsiflex past 90 degrees. I have two athletes in, oh my God, like <laughs> six years mm. who that is the case. You know, one guy had yeah. like serious motorcycle injuries and like, like mm. just his ligaments were really, really short. The other one, like never seen anything like it before. Just zero dorsiflexion, 90 degree angle. Mm. That's what he had. Every other person just needed to try harder. Mm. And that's not to invalidate the work that they're doing for mm. me as a coach. I let them get off. But I let them go ahead. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's interesting. You say, they needed to try harder, but on the flip side of that, as their coach, if we're coaching them and we're giving them value, we actually need to try harder to find out, mm -hmm. well, actually, last time I tried squatting, I had the barbell on my shoulders and I couldn't get back up and no one was there to save me and I'm really scared about hurting myself. Bingo. And then there's and then there's that, right? Mm. But so there's but there's we make assumptions when we talk about that. First mm. of all, like we assume that people are issuing cues and corrections in an attempt to get a person into a better position, which makes the assumption that they're actually fucking looking like mm. I, it is not a guarantee that when I say hips back and down, everybody squat that I'm actually watching your hips initiate in that squat. It's not a guarantee, mm. right? We make that assumption. And so if you never start to do that, the likelihood that you get far enough down that path that you're having those deeper individual conversations with those athletes is so much lower. Because if you haven't ever tried to coach someone into a better position and failed to do so and tried a bunch of different ways to do that and failed to succeed, you wouldn't have butt up against the your failure essentially to be effective and your need to find another way to do it. And it's like, okay, okay, Scott, why the, what do you feel when I ask you to, when I ask you, Scott, like, where do you feel tension? Where do you feel this? Where do you feel that? Mm. Like if I hadn't tried literally every cue I could think of, and then finally I have to pull the guy aside and be like, what's going on here? It's like, mm. oh yeah, I was in a motorcycle accident. Like, you know, this thing is just, you know, it's all mecked up. It's never going to be like, it's never going to be better. Mm. Oh, that's really good to know. Okay. Mm. You know, but if you just yeah. call blind reps, you never get there. That's right. So, you know, if we continue on our theme today is like, what can we give our audience a little, you know, takeaway goodie bag of here are some things that you can tangibly action today to think about. And I know I'm putting you both on the spot is like, okay, I've listened to this episode you know, and, oh, I want to make sure that I'm not guilty of that. So what can I do that's going to help me check myself before I wreck myself um, mm -hmm. about um, my coaching and am I making it about me, not about them? Ash, you want to lead off? Huh. Well, um, my first, my initial reaction is ask more questions. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. I think those first two I gave earlier are kind of the biggest ones. Okay. Um, but then to piggyback off what Sam just said, if someone is not seeming to understand what you're saying, mm -hmm. um, ask, ask them a question. Why is this hard for you? Or do you, do you feel like you're below parallel? Like mm -hmm. maybe they think they're there and they're like, Oh, you were talking to me. I'm not going mm -hmm. low enough. Oh, all right. How's this? Oh, it wasn't even, there isn't even a conversation that needs to be had. It was just like, I didn't know. Sometimes hmm. the body awareness isn't there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, ask, ask the question, can you go hmm. lower? If hmm. the answer is no, where does it hurt or where, what's stopping you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I mm -hmm. questions, all questions. about the questions. Sam? What, what, what are you going to chuck into it? <laughs> you it's got, a small you know. bag, Sam. Oh, wait a second. And okay, see, there we go. There we go. None of you have heard of a book called By the Numbers. Mm. Uh, 
shout out to John Mears. He's on level one staff. He told me about that book years ago. My gosh, what a game changer that was mm. for, for, you know, every, everything. One of the very first CrossFit books that I downloaded oh, great um, back in the day. Yeah. Who wrote it? Um, uh, I can tell you while you put your kit in the goodie bag, I will find that for you. Okay. Um, if if I have to make this a small goodie bag, and I'm going to be, and I'm so not just going a little to, taster. It's like degustation station menu today. I think. Um. What will create the most awareness of a coach's weaknesses is when they stop following lesson plans and start writing their own. Because. Mm. Let's assume let's assume that you don't write your own lesson plans. If you begin to write your own lesson plans, then you have to understand certain things about the workout and you have to start crafting an arc about how you're going to get mm. people from not to 60. And see, it's just for you. <clears throat> and mm. as you do that, especially if you've never done it before, you're going to crash and burn. And mm the next time you'll crash and burn a little bit less. And the next time you'll crash and burn a little bit less. And through that practice, you will get very good at assessing what is necessary. Because mm. if you come at it with the perspective of, <clears throat> pardon me, I think this is what they need. Maybe you're right and maybe you're lucky, but that won't be all the time. And mm -hmm. so you will be able to tell. Because what you, th what I want them to need will fall flat in a class. And what they actually need based on objective assessment never falls mm. flat. And when I give people what they need, they come to me and they tell me, and they're like, this is, this is game changing. And I'm like, mm. good, go, yeah, go forth. Mm. Be awesome. If you, uh, if you don't write lesson plans, write lesson plans, do it for a month. It'll change your life. If you mm. already write lesson plans, um, ask someone to take your class, someone who's a coach and give you honest feedback. And mm. like, that's like the next level beyond that. Yeah. I mean, Perfect. you could, you could be coaching the snatch and have a 7am class that has six people in it. And then mm -hmm. have a 5 p.m. class that has 19 people in it, like mm -hmm. I had last week. And you need to that that of what people need is going to be extremely different because the priorities change. <laughs> Absolutely. And through writing lesson plans, you will learn that you have to plan for the swing in volume. What's my equipment availability? based on the number of bodies in the room and how much that affords me teaching, seeing, correcting, that dictates how much time I can take in a warm up. Like you learn all of mm. these things by trying to figure them out when you write your lesson plan. Mm. And I think, you know, for me to add to the top of the bag before we do it up for people is that what I said at the start is, um, I'm fixated on this gift idea today. I don't know why. Um, is that um, like when I'm preparing for a class, so you're doing your lesson plan, just be a little switched into your mindset. Like, am I writing this class and am I thinking about how good it makes me look while I'm doing my class panel? Or I'm going to teach this progression because it's super complex and makes me look super smart. Or, you know, um, Am I just coming at this from a place of here's my 915 mums class, like mm. here's what we need to, you know, they're, they're not going to do, you know, 50,000 nuances of the of the wall walk, for example. Like we're not going to be yeah. doing, you know, understanding the, the micro, macro, and meso levels of programming. It's like how am I going to give them what they need or am I putting in stuff that's just going to make me look good? And then that's your first step to actually triggers like, well, maybe this isn't about them. It's about me. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, and then start that reflection. Sorry, Ash. You said a 915 moms class. We used to have a class like that. And it was like, and the one movement that they all hated was snatch. 
So if we were lucky enough that they didn't wad dodge that day, I knew my goal was like, how do I let them have fun? How do I make dodge. fun? Right? Yeah. Yes. Also, yeah. my uh, that class for me is was the boot camp class at one of my affiliates. My experience mm. with that boot camp class got better the stay the day I stopped trying to coach. And it doesn't mean that I didn't offer value, but those clients were in that class because they did not want to do CrossFit. And when I stopped mm. trying to run it like a CrossFit class, they liked me a lot more and I had more fun. Mm. That was the class where I just got to run around and play bangers. And like, you know, <laughs> every once in a while, it's like, you know, little cues here or there and just helping people and just mm. positive. Dude, everybody loved that class. It was a shit ton of fun. Mm. Also, same thing mm. with kids' classes. Yeah, I was just about to say the kids' class was, you know, when I was coaching the kids' classes, it was my most stressful class to plan and program for, but it was mm. the best fun of my week. You mm. know, when you're just running around duck, duck, goose and all the, you know, and the kids are, are schooling you on things like the greatest thing for your soul a week because with kids, you can't make it about you and be the smartest, you know, banana on the tree because they're going <laughs> to tear you down. They, oh, you yeah. know, I had some kids once who I was like, you know, put your hands on your hips like you're Superman. And they're like, oh, can I be this? And can I be that? And can I, cause no one does Superman anymore. I'm like, oh, well, now you make me feel really old. Or, you know, I did an L shape on the floor around the perimeter of the floor mat going stay inside this box. That's not a box. Okay, good chats. So I'm not the smartest person <laughs> in the room in that class. Like that was a that was a gut check. But if you feel like that you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note. <laughs> Mic drop. All right. Mic drop. We're out. We're out. All right. Good chat, team. Hopefully we've mm -hmm. given, well, I know we have given um, lots of good thoughts and some actionable things for people to reflect on and think on. And if you listen to this episode and you get something out of that and you try something and you come at something from a different angle in your coaching, let us know. Give us feedback. Slide into our DMs. Always happy to chat. Um, you know, shoot us a message and let us know how that worked for you. More than happy to discuss that. Mm -hmm. I'll bring that book. All right. I my car. I'll bring that book on yeah. our next Episode it is everybody. Sean Mansu, M-A-N, oops, wrong one. I did just have it. Sean Mansu, M-A-N-S-E-A-U. And, yeah, great. It's been in my Kindle since a very long time. It's very nice. good. And you will love it, Sam. You will geek out on that for sure. That's it. That's, <laughs> a, that's a Ash and I's gift to you today. I, I love it when I get gifts. Because it's not about us. Yeah. All right, team. Thank you for your um, honesty and your input, and we will catch up on the next one. Absolutely. Yeah. See us. Bye.